Good morning, everyone. So great to see you. Hi to everyone online. Hope you're doing well today. Wow, it's the start of a new academic year. And there's something about it. I think it's because I was a secondary school teacher. September is the time for heading to Paper Chase, buying a brand new journal, some lovely highlighter pens, a couple of good colored gel pens and feeling like there's a new page that we're stepping into. And I really do sense for us as a church family, we're stepping into a new season. And I know you will have heard that many times before from Pete and I, and from previous senior leaders who have been wonderful custodians of this thing that God is doing. But the truth is God's always innovating something new. He's always moving. He doesn't stay static. And so we shouldn't be surprised that there's newness ahead. And interestingly, if you didn't get a chance to tap in last week, um, Peter and I shared some of the snapshots of what God did in us over the summer, which we really felt he didn't just want to do for us, but actually for us collectively, he wanted to amplify that out. And one of the things kind of on the, on the back of that is that we felt it was a very pivotal time of redefinition. A moment where God stopped and said, I just want to remind you who you are. And this morning, I want to remind us who we are. I'm going to paint you a portrait of this little small feisty bird, the skylark. It looks pretty ordinary, loving its little tufty crest. And um, I want to remind us of the skylark story, the story that led to us renaming this church family after a bird, which honestly is probably one of the most raised eyebrows moments that we experience generally when we're out and about. You say, oh, which church are you part of? Skylark Church. Sorry, what did you say? Skylark Church. Like the bird? Yes, like the bird. It's a long story. Um, but people love the story. And once they've heard the story, they get it. And we've had so much through flow in the life of the church. The pandemic has changed a lot for us. And some of you will be sitting here thinking, I know this story. And others will have forgotten. And some, you've never heard it before. So I am going to take great delight in sharing again. And I believe that God wants to redefine today who we are collectively, but also each of us, uniquely and individually, there's a call that you and only you have from heaven. And if each of us can embrace who God has made us to be, if we can flourish in that capacity, we will truly be able to affect change in our workplace, in our family units, in our own lives, in our nation, and in our world. So we're going to revisit some of our distinctives this morning. It's about 10 years ago now that Pete and I were heading for Scotland. And the backdrop is that we, we were in a time of transition and we didn't know it. And if you've ever been in a time of transition, it's just super uncomfortable. It's painful, it's difficult, 
There are moments of great joy and moments of absolute frustration and terror when you are in a time of transition. And we knew that there was something more, but we just couldn't put our finger on what it was. I think if I'm honest, the one thing we would have said it wasn't is leading a church. So God has a great sense of humor. Um, And we took ourselves off to Scotland to pray. We were part of a transition team that was going to help deliver the church securely into its next leadership and into its next season. And when we arrived at that first meeting, Rick and Bev, the founders of our network, said in their own inimitable way, well, we believe that the, the leaders of the church are in this room. To which we responded, cards on the table, it's definitely not us. But we're really happy to be part of helping deliver the church into its new season. And they kept saying, well, would you pray about it? So at this point, we're about nine months on from that initial meeting, and we had done pretty much nothing but pray about it, but we still hadn't had any kind of epiphany or shining light moment to say, this is right. And so we were very much still, no, we don't think it's us. But when we went to Scotland, some of the process had made us jaded, a little bit tired, and I think we'd lost sight of who we truly were. So we took a week. And the first couple of days, we didn't really read our Bibles, didn't really pray. We just allowed God to be with us in in the space. And then we decided to climb a hill behind where we were staying. And because we're nutters, we decided that we would worship all the way to the top, audibly worship, sing. And that a bit like the Psalms of Ascent, And then when we get to the top, we were going to lie on the grass and say, okay, God, what do you want us to do next? That was the question that was burning on our lips. What do you want us to do, God? So we did walk all the way up the hill. We did sing all the way up, and it was quite a big hill. I have it in my exaggerative moments called it a mountain, but I'm firmly assured by my husband, technically speaking, it's just a hill. Um, And when we got to the top... We lay on the grass, and it was March, we were in Scotland, it was a blue sky day, there was not a cloud in the sky, and we could see all the way down to the sea on one side, and then over across at other hills in the distance, there was this panoramic 360 degree vista. And we lie there, and we're doing our best to be very holy, and listen to God, But all we can hear is this bird song. And it's pretty irritating because it's loud. And our attention was drawn. And I remember Pete leaning over to me and he was like, babe, I can't hear from God with those birds. They're so annoying. And then the penny dropped because God is king of the supernatural But he's also king of the whole earth. And he absolutely loves to use the ordinary things to grab our attention. And these birds just grabbed our attention. And we began to watch them as they flapped their little wings. And they just seemed to spend forever gradually ascending. But they were working hard. And they were getting higher and higher and higher. Until they were just like a little pinprick in the sky. But the whole time, they did not stop singing. Their song was loud. Their song was resonating. Some might say irritating. And then when they got 
to whatever it was, these great lofty heights, they would suddenly unfurl their wings and they would soar, still singing. And finally, they would tuck their wings in and they would bomb back down to the ground like they were having the faith adventure of their life. And the only time they stopped singing is when they were momentarily on the ground and then the process would repeat. And that's when God spoke. And he didn't answer the question we came with, which was, what do you want us to do? He answered the question that every human being needs answered at some point in their life. Who he has made us to be. And he said this, you see those birds? That's who I've made you to be in the kingdom. And I want you to raise up a generation of 24-7 worshippers. People who have a song in their heart in every season. The song of the Lord, whether they are working hard, whether they are taking their time to get where I'm sending them, whether they are soaring with me in heavenly places or whether they are on a risky faith adventure that never stop singing internally. And it was a really profound moment because by the time we left that hillside, there wasn't just two birds, which there were at the beginning. There was a whole group of birds and they were singing and we took photos of them. Um, when a couple landed, we got some photos and we didn't know what bird they were. And when we got back to the holiday cottage, sure enough, there's always a bird book, isn't there, in a holiday cottage? You ever notice that? Just a random bird book. And there it was. And we looked up the bird and sure enough, they were skylarks. So what relevance does a tiny, insignificant looking bird have for us collectively today as a church family? I want to talk us through some of the, the traits of a skylark. Firstly, they're faith-filled. Hebrews 11, verse 1 says this. I'm going to read from the Amplified, but you've just got the NIV behind you. It says this. Now faith is the assurance, the title deed, confirmation of things hoped for, divinely guaranteed, and the evidence of things not seen, the conviction of their reality. Faith comprehends as fact what cannot be experienced by the physical senses. Now, why does this apply to a skylark? How does this apply to a skylark? Well, Skylarks are one of the leaders of the dawn chorus. What does that mean? It means that they look at, at the expanse of darkness. They look at the night sky, at the point before the dawn breaks. And they find a song. And they punch holes in the darkness. They find this song of faith that announces the kingdom of God, announces the new thing that God is doing and awakens the dawn. They look at the darkness and instead of seeing that vast night sky, they're basically saying, come on, wake up, wake up, wake up. The dawn is coming. They're pioneering they're one of the first birds to sing, and then others join suit, and that 
my friends, has always been a hallmark of this church family since long before our tenure. We are a pioneering church in many ways, and we'll get, hear more of that a little bit later. It's part of our DNA. There's something fearless. There's something prophetic. It doesn't mean that we don't feel the fear. But there's something hope-filled, carriers of hope that declare the light of the kingdom of God against a vast expanse of darkness. And my friends, the world feels dark right now, doesn't it? In so many ways. The rising tide of the cost of living crisis, energy issues, Domestic violence at all-time high proportions, conflict, chaos across our world, sickness, poverty, injustice, refugees in desperate need of asylum and sanctuary but unable to find it. It's a moment of immense darkness, but it's a moment of immense opportunity for us as the children of God to sing and pierce holes in the darkness. And I don't mean actually sing, because if I'm faced with somebody who is not able to pay their energy bill, me saying, don't worry, you'll be fine, probably isn't going to solve it. It's a metaphorical song. Join me in understanding that. I'm not telling you that you have to sing your way through the supermarket, although we often do. <laughs> True story. What a moment for God's people to rise and shine with love, hope, and action. But it takes faith. It takes faith to look beyond the, the ruins. And I've told this analogy before, but there's a program called Extreme Home Makeover in the US. And this is a good way of describing it. I love this show. If you haven't seen it, basically, a family in desperate need are brought to the attention of this incredible team, Ty Pennington and his crew. And um, you will hear a very moving plight of why these people are so in need of a new home. And oh, every single time it gets me because they're always wonderful people who have just had so much adversity. And the team come in this massive great bus. They, they tour across America and they get there. And then they get rafts of the community to come and help them. They send the family off to Disneyland or somewhere cool. And they begin to des design a bespoke home for this family that was going to meet all of their needs. And if they've experienced loss or bereavement, they even go to the tiniest details of grabbing loads of old jumpers, maybe from the person that's been lost and creating bespoke artwork or a whole sensory room if it's a family where there are children with additional needs. It's just incredible. No, no attention to detail spared. But there's this moment, right? There's this moment where the family are coming back and all of the community now have been brought out to experience the moment of the big reveal. And in between the new house and all of the community and the family who are about to pull up, there's the enormous tour bus and probably more than one. So the family get out and they can't see what's being reconstructed. They can't see their breathtaking new home. And gradually, the crowd begin to cheer, move that bus, move that bus, move that bus, move that bus, and it gets to fever pitch. And finally, the bus moves, the family all crumble to the floor because they are overwhelmed at what they see. 
Everybody's crying. It's amazing. I say all of that to say this. When we're talking about the DNA and the distinctive of a, of a Skylark being faith-filled, it's a bit like that moment that instead of seeing the great big bus, we're called to look beyond. We're called to look beyond the, the impossibility, the thing that looks immovable, that rubble or those ruins in people's lives that look like they could never be repaired and say, God, what do you see? You see, that team, they get a blueprint for this house. It's the most incredible blueprint. And we're called to get heaven's blueprint for our family life, for our society, for our workplace, for the day job that God's given us, for all sorts of different areas and arenas. What does God see when everybody else sees rubble and impossibility and ruins and desolation? God sees something different. Think about Ezekiel 37, the valley of dry bones. It's a familiar passage. I don't have time to read it all out this morning, but you can find it in Ezekiel 37. 37, 1 to 14. And the prophet is looking with the Lord at this, this valley that's just full of dry bones. First obvious piece of information, the bones are dead. You know, that they are dead. Bones represent deadness. But they're also super dry, which is that way of saying, you know, that it's, it's beyond impossible. There's just nothing that can be done. And God says, can these bones live? And the answer is, sovereign Lord, you alone know. And then the Lord says, prophesy to these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. And so he prophesies as he was commanded. He uses his voice and they begin to rattle and they begin to come together. And the breath of heaven enters them, and they rise up a vast and mighty army. What do we look at, friends, and think, not on my watch? No, that's not happening on my watch. What are some of the kingdom things that God has burdened us with? We are called as skylarks not to look at the impossibility of the ruins before us, but to look beyond them a voice of hope, a voice of prayer, a voice of life, a voice of compassion, a voice of justice, a voice of wisdom, declaring what God sees over the ruins and the rubble that we see around us. Skylarks are also those 24-7 worshippers that I spoke about, finding a song in every season. And as I said, it doesn't mean that we sing everywhere. It's that thing of knowing that even when we walk through adversity, even when we walk through and experience difficult times and suffering, maybe even persecution, we are called to be those who have that song of faith and trust and hope in our hearts, who can find a lament and weep with those who weep, who can find a song of joy and rejoice with those who are rejoicing. Habakkuk 3, verse 17 to 18 says this, Though the fig tree does not bud, and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet 
I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. We're called to find that yet moment. And we did it so beautifully through the pandemic as a church community. We can't tell you how amazed we were by your resilience, by your choice to keep plowing forward, to, to up the ante and begin to bless our community on an even more extravagant level, even though many of us were walking through hardship ourselves. That is what it looks like to be a 24-7 worshiper. Romans 12, verse 1, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. And I love those verses. It's that, it's that sense that it's more than corporate singing, although that's awesome and we love it. It's every bit as much the integrity that I have in the way that I do my day job. It's every bit as much how well I love those in my orbit. It's every bit as much about my capacity to forgive, my capacity to be obedient, obedient for an audience of one when God puts his finger on tricky stuff in my life. A song in every season, worshiping him with who we are, with all that we have, not just here in a building, not just during our times of praise and worship. Whether we're working hard, soaring, or on the faith adventure of our lives, there is a song for us to find. And I think that the pandemic did crystallize for us when we couldn't sing together physically, that there is something about us being together as a community that can't be replicated in any other way. We lost our capacity for a while to, to sing comfortably corporately, didn't we? It felt as though we came back with the mute button on and gradually it's grown louder. The, the Latin name for a skylark is a lauda arvensis. And the word laudo means to praise, but it also means to extol, which incidentally is the name that our worship team here at Skylark carries. And I love God's attention to detail because we gave, Pete and I gave the worship team that name many, many years ago. And uh, when we looked up the information about the Skylark, there it was, that same word, like God is just so awesome at affirming who we're called to be and why. Did you know that the collective noun for a skylark is an exaltation of skylarks? And there's something in that. We're called to sing when we're on our own in isolation for sure. But we're also able to achieve more at times when we lift our voices collectively. Think about how we can make a difference to domestic violence in our city as we collectively embark on this journey of becoming the first beacon church for Restored. There's some Something about our capacity to affect change together that is greater than our capacity to affect change in isolation, although we are called to be scattered and to serve wherever we are. Skylarks sing in flight continually. Their song is distinctive and resonant. They're completely inconspicuous on the ground. And that's why we're excited about Encounter Night, tapping into that place of prayer and praise, knowing its power to, to change atmospheres and environments, finding that abandonment in worship, 
but reminding ourselves that the song doesn't end as we leave the building, that that's actually where the true song of our faith journey begins. Skylarks are innovators and not replicators, which is really cool. They have a unique and distinctive song. In fact, they're one of the most creative bird songs that exists. And that tells us that we're not called to emulate or replicate, but to innovate as kingdom people and here at Skylark Church and in our network. God rarely does the same thing in the same way twice. And if we're believing that there's a major move of God coming, I don't think he's going to do it as he's done it before. Our network is not going to look like any other. We don't want to do what other great networks are doing. We're excited for them. We bless them. But there's something new that he's doing here and through us. Our sound is unique. And we look beyond what we see in the natural. It says this, uh, the RSPB says this, bird songs are among the most complex sounds produced by animals. Did you know that? Wow, that's cool. And the skylark is one of the most complex of all. We're deep. We're deep. We're complicated. The songs are composed of syllables, consecutive sound produced in a complex way with almost no repetition. The male skylark can sing more than 300 different syllables. And get this, each individual bird's song is slightly different. And my friends, I love that because I know some of you are sitting here going, you're telling me I have to be like you. You're basically saying that because you're a skylark, I need to be like you and walk around singing up mountains and being weird. No, the whole purpose of this is actually you have your song, we have our song. You have your unique call. God has made you how you are. And so you have a song to sing that's different from mine. It's different from Pete's. It's different from the person sitting next to you today. But we need to hear your song. The world needs to hear your song. Your orbit needs to hear your song. God loves to hear your song. We don't have to be like the next person. We just need to be the best version that we can. And my friends, the best version doesn't come from self-help books, even though they can be super useful and there's lots we can take from them. It comes from knowing who our designer is, the one who, he's got the manual, he's got the blueprints, he understands intricately how he's made you to tick, and he just longs to see you step into your purpose. We're creative. We sing our own song. We listen for heaven's blueprint, and there are moments where we exasperate our staff team because we might have a vacancy in the staff team or a need in a particular area, and we pretty much always say, we're not going to knee-jerk. We just want to wait. Does God want us to do it the same way again? Does God want to fill this vacancy like for like? And sometimes he says yes, and other times he says no. And there have been moments where we've waited for months. James Howitt stepping into the, the role of head of operations. We saw that role, but we just had to wait and wait and wait until God said, now and who? 
And, that, you know, there are moments where it's exasperating for everyone, including ourselves, but we don't want to lean into our own understanding. We're not called to just rest on our own wisdom. If we're truly going to be faith-filled, we've got to rely on God, friends. There are no answers for the problems that we're faced with, and we don't have all the answers. That's where we lean into our incredible God. Emily Sanday wrote this beautiful song, which I just feel like it's a song that every time I hear it reminds me of who we're called to be as people of God. You've got the words to change a nation, but you're biting your tongue. You've spent a lifetime stuck in silence, afraid you'll say something wrong. If no one ever hears it, how are we going to learn your song? So come on, come on, come on, come on. You've got a heart as loud as lions, so why let your voice be tamed? Maybe we're a little different. There's no need to be ashamed. You've got the light to fight the shadows, so stop hiding it away. So come on, come on, come on, come on. I'm coming into land now. Skylarks are small yet significant. And this is really important. We're a sizable church family, relatively speaking. But skylarks are inconspicuous. They're not particularly attractive. They're not big. You wouldn't notice one unless you heard it sing. We are not building a church or a network based around superstar personalities. We're not interested in it. Yet, there are moments where people might be more visible than others. But if we can't greet the person on the door with kindness, if we can't make a cup of coffee for a colleague, if we lose sight of who we're called to be, if we don't have that humility and that understanding that the kingdom is about washing feet, it's about serving, it's about loving extravagantly, if we lose that, we have nothing, my friends. So however many bottoms there are on a seat in a building is not what gets us out of bed in the morning, although it is lovely to see your faces and we love you and it, it feels nice for us when you're here. What happens when you leave this building? That's where the rubber hits the road. And if you feel insignificant today, if you feel invisible, if you feel unseen, take heart. That's our call as Skylarks. But we can effect enormous change. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field. Though it is the smallest of all seeds, yet when it grows... It is the largest of the garden plants and becomes a tree. I love this. We're called to be completely ordinary and yet pack a punch in the kingdom. We're not building a culture of one or two superstars, the one who everyone sees and looks to. It's not our model. It never will be. If you're looking for that, this isn't the church family for you. We're building a culture where we're ordinary, vulnerable, as authentic as we can possibly be in following Christ, where we're each equipped with what we need in him to know our weakness and yet do extraordinary things in partnership with him and with one another. Everyone is important. Everyone is valuable. Everyone is needed.
And finally, skylarks are a connection point between heaven and earth. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Our strapline as a church is connecting heaven and earth, and it sounds a bit like a funny old slogan, and most of the time we probably ignore it. But there's method behind it. Poets have likened skylarks to this connection point between heaven and earth because they ascend to such great heights in the sky. But they nest on the ground. And I love this piece of information. It's a lovely geeky fact. They don't nest in trees. And to me, that's so significant. Don't you think that most of the people outside church have a viewpoint of Christians as people who sit in an ivory tower, point their finger and judge. I think the world's sick of a Christianity that looks like that. We don't want to be like that. Skylarks nest on the ground. They're not lofty. They don't look down at everybody pointing a finger. No, they just get alongside people. And in so doing, they make themselves vulnerable. In fact, they may have made themselves so vulnerable that they are in decline. There was a headline way back now in 1999 that said, the UK dawn chorus is hard to hear. And that was because loads of different birds were in decline, but skylarks was the bird with the biggest decline. The RSPB noted that there are 4,600,000 fewer skylarks. Three quarters of them have gone. And... Um, it's worsened since then. They've now been red-listed, and farmers are being encouraged to leave unsown skylark plots in the midst of their fields to encourage them to breed and repopulate. So what does that tell us? Sorry, bear with me. The distinctive that we have is needed. It mustn't be lost. And if God said anything to us over the summer, it's that. That actually becoming who each of us are called to be, carrying that kingdom distinctive, that DNA, both collectively and individually, it mustn't be lost. There's something that God wants to do uniquely in and through you, my friend, and in and through us here in this beautiful church family. We are Skylarks, and we're called to raise up more. Will you stand? Jesus, I want to thank you for every individual that makes up this beautiful, rich tapestry that is Skylark Church. I thank you for who you have made each of us to be. And I pray today that where we need redefinition on a personal level and on a corporate level, you would come and have your way. Lord, I know that we have people who are operating in so many different sectors of society. We've got some whose mission field is, their mar is the marketplace. We've got others who are in education, in health work. We have others who are at school or university. 
Others still who are stay-at-home parents or carers. Others still who are retired and being repurposed for the season ahead. And you see and you know each one. And no call is more important than another. I pray, Lord, that we would find our song. That you would, right now, by the power of your Holy Spirit, ignite a fresh passion and understanding in each of us as to who you've made us to be. And that we would let our song resonate loudly. Father, that we would be faith-filled. That we would look at the ruins and the rubble and the darkness and say, God, what do you see? And that you would help us to connect the vision of the kingdom And ground it here in earth, your blueprint. Lord, any good ideas that we currently have that are not your ideas, we just lay them at your feet. And we do that as a church. We don't want to be doing stuff that you don't have for us. So I pray, Father, that you would just come and blow through our hearts today. That you would firm up and bring that definition that only you can. And I bless each individual. I declare that you are loved and chosen by the Most High God. You are valuable to him. You matter. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to hand back to the worship team.